The Flywheel Podcast. The Flywheel Podcast. Buckle up and get ready to set your life in motion. Hosted by Mike and Justin. Welcome to the show, everyone. This is Mike and Justin here. Today, we're going to be talking to Tanner and Jordan, and they're going to be taking us through the world of NFTs. Uh, what the heck are these things? We're going to dumb it down to the start, um, but we're going to open this thing right up because I have so many questions. I can't wait to get into this. But before we do, I think it's going to be important to give a quick background on who each of you are. So maybe you want to give a quick introduction. Awesome. So my name's Tanner. Thanks for having us. Uh, you know, in my day job, I, I've been working in technology for the past seven years, always been around it. In this NFT space, though, I'm a little newer. I got in around the fall of 2021. Uh, and it was really driven by my brother, also my co-founder of Hatchlings, partner in crime, Jordan, who you'll get a little intro on. Uh, and he told me all about NFTs, you know, how to get into them. And Next thing you know, we're, we're starting one ourselves. So I think we'll touch on that a little bit later. But Jordan. Thanks, Tanner. Uh, yeah, I've my career has revolved around sports and entertainment, sports management, sports marketing uh, internationally in Dubai and in different places in the world. And I have a kind of interesting story about how I got into NFTs. I'll, I'll tell you about that. And basically, when I moved home from Dubai, I met a really, really interesting man who had a company. That was not in the blockchain world. It was more in the communications and sales and e-commerce world. And um, I, I spent two years consulting for him. And then he finally hired me on full time uh, in, in the company called Clancy. And uh, not long after that, a month or two months after he finally brought me on full time in this, uh, this interesting startup, um, he, he was on a Zoom call with me. And one of our clients that we were talking with uh, from Turkey, uh, Fenerbahce, the football club, and he unfortunately had a heart attack. He passed away on the Zoom call, and we uh, it was a very tough part, tough time for the company at the time. But the the investors and the the uh, the other partners of the company they said, "Look, we want to continue the company, and we want to maybe transition into the NFTs. We believe what we have is a really good opportunity to transition and start using this technology that the company had and drive this technology through with NFTs in the sports and entertainment space. And so that's what I do now. I'm a, I'm a partner in the company and we build sports and entertainment platforms uh, in, in the Web3 space. So we build custom NFT markets. Uh, we're building one for Benfica, the football club out of Portugal and we're doing another one. We just signed another deal, still confidential, but should be announced really soon. And so that's kind of how I got into it. We've been working in the space ever since. And and uh, when when Tanner got into it, my uh, my smarter half, he we knew how we'd, we'd figure out a project on the community level because there's a really big difference between the sports and entertainment and what's happening on the ground floor with the creators, the influencers, and, and the guys driving a lot of the innovation in the space right now. So we jumped in. We've got a lot of really unique, innovating things with uh, with Hatchlings, Hatchlings NFT, and now we're here. That's a hell of an intro. Yeah, well, thank you for that story, uh, Jordan. Sorry for the loss of your your former boss. That's uh, terrible to hear, but interesting to see kind of the pivot that you know the company's made and that how it's changed. You know where you're working in your space. So we'll uh, we'll start off here. You know, we just in that intro we heard a lot about nfts the word nft so 
I've been hearing it everywhere. Let's be honest. It's a huge buzzword right now. Um, it's celebrities are talking about it. Friends and family are talking about it. So let's start off here, break it down in the simplest form. Pretend our dads are sitting right here. Um, and you need to explain to them what an NFT is. Let's start right there. Yeah, and keep in mind they're not even really sure how to use an emoji uh, in a text <laughs> message. So let's let's break it down. Like even like what does NF and T stand for, and then we'll yeah. go from there. Yeah, NFT, non fungible token. Um, that's what it stands for. And really, I, I think in the space there's a lot of terms being thrown around that are still abstract for the greater market, the mass market, right? Blockchain. What is a blockchain? What is a ledger? How does blockchain work? People know the terms, but it's still not clear mm -hmm. for them. And so the way I like to explain it is NFTs are really the most consumer facing way for the mass market or people getting into this space to understand these abstract terms, its capacity, its its use cases and and how it works. And so NFTs are really the, the forefront of what's becoming the Web3 space, uh, the decentralization of the Internet the opportunity to own digital property, right? Making, you know, really solidifying, how do you own digital property? Why would you own digital property? NFTs are collectibles, right? Traditional, when you look at Pokemon cards, Yu-Gi-Oh cards, hockey cards, sports cards, NFTs are a, a resemblance of this and through, the, through digital, through digital property and in unique ownership on the internet and through blockchain technology. And, and that's a big piece, right? Like the whole concept of non-fungible means like the uniqueness of this thing that only exists in some limited quantity or some limited capacity, right? That's kind of the concept of the non-fungible. Well, just to confirm, from my understanding, it means it's that's one of, and it cannot be replicated. Am I wrong or correct in saying that? It, yeah, like for example, you, you know, one... LeBron James basketball card is not equivalent to a Michael Jordan card, right? It's non-fungible, yeah. right? Whereas, you know, one US dollar is equal to one US dollar or 10 US dollars is equal to $10 bill. Or for $1 Canadian. Or, or $1. <laughs> yes, exactly. So, yeah, it's it's uh, it's really cool. There's, there's a lot of innovation uh, in the space right now and a lot of the code and a lot of the the, the platforms being built on are open source and it's why it's innovating so quickly yeah and i, I guess uh one thing that i've uh, understood too isn't like an easy example uh just from hearing it around i know like gary v's talked a ton about nfts for example uh but a simple form would be if anyone has played a video game and bought in a skin we'll use fortnite for example but you've bought in a skin in a sense that skin is an nft and that's kind of the way he was phrasing it does that make any sense? Like, how does that even transfer to that? Yeah, I think this next generation of kids growing up, right? They, currently, they go to their parents and they ask for gift cards to buy digital products, right? Yeah. A lot of these digital products are not technically NFTs like skins in Fortnite, right? They're, they are controlled by their centralized universe, right? The Fortnite game makers. Is that because they're like unlimited? Sorry to interrupt. Is that like because like... Anyone can buy that skin if you have a certain amount of money. It's not. It's an endless amount of skins that can be bought. They're not unique or limited in any type of way, right? Or is that a different thinking? Yeah, it's a good question, and it is a bit abstract. It's it's unique in their world, right? And they control the supply and demand. It, but what what it is not is not created. It's not minted on a blockchain currently. Mm -hmm. The Fortnite skins, and I have no doubt, you know, some of these game companies are going there, and a lot already have, mm -hmm. especially new companies, right? So that 
your in-game currencies are either tokens or the the you know the items you use and develop with your characters are NFTs and and uh, can there's marketplaces for these transactions from player to player. So yeah, digital products this next generation they're spending more money on digital products than they are on you know going to the toy store buying different things and and that's why like from from my company standpoint we we talk about this with our clients and partners all the time. Uh, this is where you're going. We, we need to, you know, hold the hands of your massive fan bases and just walk them right through the, again, the most consumer facing way to understand NFTs, to understand blockchain, to understand digital products and why kids and why people like us are buying NFTs. And then, uh, you know, the, again, this space is moving so fast just to be at the frontier of it and to understand it is going to give you that head start as the decentralization and web three comes more and more into play. So what's their purpose <laughs> or is like, it's a very broad statement, right? Like yeah. it's a very, like right now, like, so we're talking about it and it's kind of like this, like image or like skin or thing. And so like, is what's the purpose or is the purpose different depending on, so like maybe some color on that. Yeah. So the purpose has evolved a lot. Even if I just look at the past 12 months, uh, it's, it started with these PFPs, these profile pictures. And because there was a limited collection and a limited supply with a huge demand, they started skyrocketing in prices. If I, if I think about the demand of OpenSea, which is one of the top marketplaces, I think they had 500,000 active wallets in October, 2021, January, it's at a million. So it's doubled in just the last quarter. And so the, the, the demand of NFTs is increasing. Uh, and so the innovation's increasing because supply is increasing. Uh, it's evolved from profile pictures to coins integrating with the NFT itself. It's evolved to the metaverse and bringing your NFTs directly into gaming and play to earn things like Axie Infinity. Uh, and then now we've gotten into like DAO, like how can we have a decentralized autonomous organization to manage the community on behalf of people? And then the utility just keeps building like what it's it's, you know, we'll, we'll get further and further as time goes on. But because it's open source, as Jordan mentioned, it's really easy to, to build on top of what everyone else has already done. Yeah, so that's interesting. So it's just something that in its infancy started out as, you know, we'll call it for lack of a better word, a JPEG <laughs> by what a lot that's of people probably saw. Uh, and now it's starting to find a lot more use cases and just the technology behind what an NFT sitting on a, on the blockchain is it's being used across a lot of different industries for various reasons. So that's interesting. And just to, to your one point where you're talking about OpenSea, uh, I have an article here where it's $3.4 billion in transaction volume in August. Yeah. That is mind blowing. Yeah. And, and I'm pretty sure January beat that target in like around January 20th or something like that. Two yeah. thirds through the month. That's a lot of JPEGs. Yeah, that that's is a lot, lot of JPEGs, JPEGs. Yeah. through only a million people. Yeah, that's the crazy part too. We're we're like we're still in its infancy. Uh, right now, it's just the people who are early adopters to anything. You know, people who are getting into the hype. Once this really hits global exposure, I think the possibilities are endless. So I'm really curious to see, and that's why I'm excited about this conversation today. We're going to learn a lot about the ins and outs and go from there but so, so just to also like make sure we super simplify it um for anyone following along like open c 
O-P-E-N-S-E-A, is essentially the marketplace where you can buy and sell these JPEGs. What the JPEGs do or what their purpose is may differ, but that is essentially like the open marketplace for where you buy and sell these things that the simplest people will just say are JPEGs. Is that kind of right? We'll, we'll correct the uh, Michael's old man, old man terminology of keep calling them JPEGs, but digital I, I, art. We'll call yeah, it digital like I, I'm trying art. to simplify it down so people can like follow the yeah. concept. Yeah, it. yeah. No, so so you're right. OpenSea is that secondary market, and that's kind of where there, there's two forms of you know money transfer here. There's the initial sale of any NFT, which is called minting it. The first time it gets minted onto the blockchain. Once those once are those are into existence. These secondary marketplaces, OpenSea being the biggest one, but there are actually several of them, is where people can go and interact and trade and sell to the mass market of people. Got it. So in short, OpenSea is the Kijiji of the NFT world. Exactly. Cool. Exactly. All right. Easy enough concept to follow. Um, so, so why? <laughs> I guess this will start to come down to more talking about the utility and, and whatnot, but like, wh- why do people want these nfts or these jpegs or these like projects like uh, and maybe projects is actually getting too far into this because i think that'll differentiate some nfts from the other but like why do people want them generally yeah like what's driving that demand yeah that's a it's a loaded question there's a lot of reasons why right and i think if we break it down just from an umbrella point of view looking at it top down again this is the the frontier of digital property uh, decentralization of the internet right the being able to own things on the internet and um nfts nfts allow for this and so people want to be at that frontier they want to drive want to be part of the innovation they want to know what's going on they want to be ready for what's coming next because there's an opportunity to to you know make make money here to be involved and to to just stay you know stay in the uh again on the frontier yeah i think one thing i've even noticed uh when we look at the board ape yacht club um i think it's even as simple as you know who is backing these particular nfts who's even purchased them uh so i know a ton of celebrities like uh, i know recently justin bieber bought a board ape for what was it like 1.2 million which is insane Board, so, board Ape's one of those really famous top projects. I don't think you can buy one for less than 80,000 US dollars. Which is mind-blowing, right? Like we have people, well, these people aren't emptying their bank accounts, but I'd be taking a mortgage to get a Board Ape Yacht Club NFT um, simply so that I could be in that status of the elite people that do own it and be like, yeah, I put to, it as my Twitter picture and I got my famous JPEG right there. Just, just pointing out you're not going to get a $1.2 million mortgage for a house, never mind an NFT, but... Probably not, no. Uh, yep, struggle well, is real. One of the interesting things, like Board Ape was a really early project, which is why there's so many eyes on it because mm-hmm. everyone heard about it, you know, less than a year ago, around probably May. But before that, there was another big project, CryptoPunks. Yeah. You know, just oh, yeah. as valuable as Board Apes, but there's a really big difference between the two is... Board Apes gives full IP licensing rights to their holders. So a holder of a Board Ape can license that Board Ape number, whatever, to start a business, to, you know, sell products with it on it and make as much money as they want with that Board Ape. Yeah, this, this goes back to your question, Justin, why do people want to buy JPEGs or NFTs, right? And there's a lot of different reasons. The Board Apes being a great one, they're what we consider a blue chip project, right? Mm-hmm. One you can trust, one established, and they're an actual operation. 
Um, and you know, the utility to holding a board ape or why would I buy a board ape is because I want to be part of this community, right? I want the alpha. I want the, the insight that this community has. What are they doing next? Where are they going? How can I commercialize my board ape, right? This is part of the digital ownership. You own the commercial rights to your NFT, to your board ape. And so I can monetize that. I can use it on my, on my brand. I can use it in my YouTube videos. I can use it on uh, and different things to, to monetize. And so the reason they're so successful, been if not the most successful NFT project, is is largely in part because of the people that own it, right? The diamond handers, as yeah. we say, and the the whales. Yeah. Right. A lot of <laughs> NFT terms that we can throw around in here. We yeah. can define them as well. But wag me. Wag me. Um yeah, it's it's an opportunity. Uh, an opportunity to 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 build upon modular that's cool so the concept obviously of board apes is more about also the licensability of the art um talk about how that's different from some of the other projects uh because i i think one of the things that's probably worth talking about now is like what kind of nfts are there like what is the spectrum of utility of how they can be used or um the difference between airb and like a high level yeah so so board ape is really just a pfp and you can you know unlimited licensing rights to making money there if i think about another project that's a top project right now like doodles they do something a little similar except they do limit that money making at 100 grand and at which point you do need to go work with doodles on a licensing agreement if you're going to make any more than that that's not to say that they won't skyrocket the way board apes was um you know they have skyrocketed over the past four months up to i think about 15 eth and they're worth a lot but that licensing could limit them, right? There's there's a more limited potential than than the board apes, right? And just to clarify for the the licensing as well, it's like when you own a board ape, you don't own the right to the the board ape uh, full IP. You own the IP to your specific board ape, yeah. right? Board ape ID number four thousand twenty eight, for example. And so you can you have the rights to monetize and commercialize and use that instead of the full brand and project. Yeah. Uh, one just quick clarification, just because I'm going to be honest, I don't know what it means. Uh, can you, for our, for our listeners, can you clarify what PFP is? I know you said that early on when you're talking about doodles. PFP, profile picture. So oh, okay. really the basic, you know, fits in that circle yeah. crop that so, every app has and uses. Does that mean it's not cool to just use my own picture anymore? Yeah. <laughs> not cool. Not cool. <laughs> no, you, you see all these social media companies now, Twitter and Twitter has, I think, was the first to launch it. You can connect your mm-hmm. blockchain wallet that holds your NFTs, yeah. and you can you can uh, put your NFT as a verified profile picture yeah. on Twitter. Now, there's there's they, there's still a lot of work to be done in here, but Facebook has announced they're looking into doing something like this. YouTube as well. So it's uh, is that what the red eyes are in people's profile pictures? What the red eyes? Yeah, it's you like red eyes. It's like when people are like crypto punks, you know, they got like red eyes. Oh, and that's just a crypto uh, punk. Uh, that's just the NFT. Uh, okay, okay. Yeah. But yeah, imagine, right? Imagine you, you all of a sudden a uh, verified board ape profile pic drops into your DMs and you're like, well, that's, you know, it's, it's a board actually ape. true, right? Like we, we think about the sociological impact. Celebrity status. Yeah, right. Well, Kylie like Jenner dropping into that pink board ape yacht club holders, Twitter DMs. And yeah. you yeah. wouldn't sell it to Kylie Jenner. No way. <laughs> What was he? Uh, what was he offering to buy it? Kylie wanted to buy it from her, from him, oh. or her, him, whoever it was. But okay. the person did not want her kind of joining into the NFT space, or felt it like di- diluted the the meaning of NFT and community. Interesting. There's another piece on this board apes thing though, too, right? Because there's like there's an offline kind of ecosystem of what yeah. owning a board ape gets you. Yeah. 
right High should society. we yeah should we talk about that a little yeah. bit like you own you actually are owning a ticket as well as the properties and rights like so let's talk about like that and i think there's like things that happen offline too or like yeah. you need to be part of this exclusive club to participate right yeah that's that's i think that plays into a part of the utility right is you're getting that social status but then depending on the project it seems like there is some real world like influence i guess we'll call it where you get invited to certain parties and right. you get into certain clubs. So maybe let's talk about that a little bit. Right. And, and Gary V talks about this a lot, right? Like people, you know, they, they sell their homes for Instagram following to get that verified blue check mark, you know, and this is just the next level. And it's, it's a personalized level, a customized level for a PFP, right. That, that you can own. And, and yes, that, that the other aspect you're talking about, Justin is the IRL aspect right? Yeah. The in real life. What what do I get in real life from owning an NFT? There's and there's a lot of projects like Board Apes that give you access to this high society, this exclusive club that you can be a part of, show up and and you know learn and and uh, exploit opportunities with with the community and the group and the other holders. Yeah, so I think that's what's almost giving some of these NFTs a higher perceived value, right? Is and we'll continue yeah. to use Board Ape as an example. I have Board Ape. Maybe I'll get into a party where Justin Bieber's there. That's a pretty cool opportunity that I don't think I would ever have unless I had a board ape. Exactly. Or even just like as simple as being in a Discord chat that only board, board ape holders have. And, you know, yeah. Justin Bieber could be in that chat. You could be talking directly to those people. Yeah. I definitely, I definitely think there's a, a substantial amount of fangirls who might drop $1.2 million to get into that Discord. <laughs> Maybe I'm wrong. Okay, one more thing. Discord. We gotta we gotta Discord. probably dumb yeah. that one down for viewers. What's Discord? How's it even related to NFTs? Like what is it? Why does it exist? And how's it how's it connected to NFTs? So Discord's just another social platform, really. Like it the, the biggest part of Discord started with gaming. So a lot yeah. of gamers got into Discord. It operates a lot like Slack or Teams where you have these channels and then within the channels you have deeper channels or categories. Some are text, some are voice, some are streaming you can limit who has access to what channels. And so gaming was the biggest part of where Discord got really big, um, but crypto really quickly started using Discord. And so everything, if you if you have you know top crypto, top NFT projects that you're following, they almost certainly have a Discord to, to help bring the community together and manage that community. Yeah. Right, it's really a community management platform. It allows you to build hierarchies within the, the servers of the discords, et cetera. And now there's even bots that allow you to verify NFTs that give you access to specific roles in the discord to access specific channels. And again, those those alpha channels or those high society channels that uh, major NFT holders are a part of. So yeah, it's, it's cool. It's crazy to think how Discord has really benefited from the movement of crypto and specifically NFTs, like yeah. just the growth of like people who otherwise never would have had Discord downloaded on their computer now have it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean it's my, I think even Microsoft was in a, in a looking to acquire it at some point for $10 billion, if I'm wow. not mistaken. Yep. It's insane. So maybe this is a simple answer, but does every NFT have a discord i would say Check. almost probably yeah i feel like that's like 98.7 percent yeah for you know it's uh yeah i when the first thing i do when i'm looking at an nft is i go into their discord and i do my my own research you know dyor always do your own research and, and maybe that's something we should maybe talk about a bit before we go any further in this yeah. because it, it is it's a scary space it's a new space there's a lot of people who are 
getting hurt by the space or making bad decisions. Like myself, I've maybe dropped you know, almost $3,000 on fake NFTs or yeah. NFTs that have been rug pulled. Ouch. And it's right now it's just part of the learning process. Yeah, that hurts. Right? Uh, but the, the upside, if you do, you know, you do your own research, you do things right and you do your due diligence, right? Your DD, there's, there can be a lot of benefit, right? And it's kind of like the internet bubble mm-hmm. uh, back in the day. Like I, I don't believe NFTs is a fad. I believe it's a here to stay, but I believe there's a lot of NFT projects that will disappear. Yeah. A lot, and there will be, you know, a lot of good ones that come out of it and become sustainable operations, become consumer facing brands. But again, just, you know, for, for everyone listening, do your own research, yeah. right? Take, do the due diligence, learn about security, how to protect yourself in the space before you go into here. The FOMO comes on really strong and you need to learn how to check your FOMO a little bit. Yeah. Well, that's, that's just it. I was just going to ask you, like when you're going and doing your own research, like what are some things that you look for? I know I've heard the term thrown around like project map. I feel like that's usually an integral part of the decision to either buy or not buy an NFT. Um, what are some of the things you, you look into? Um, and then maybe you can talk about what a project map for an NFT project is. Yeah. So, you know, the, the project map or the roadmap is a huge part to go look at. You want to see, you know, we're, we're really early in this space. So a project will mostly just be kind of raising money to initially launch their NFT, but they have all these plans down the road to add the long-term value for all their holders. And so the project map or roadmap is where you get as many details as you can as to what they are thinking towards. Sometimes projects will host uh, ask me anythings or Twitter spaces so that the community can come and learn directly from the founders as to what they are thinking. What is the current status? You know, what is the planned future status? Another big thing that I look for in projects is the team driving the project. You know, I want to know who they are. I want to, I want them to be doxxed and, you know, I can go find out exactly who they are. They're not completely anonymous. Like Jordan, I've been a part of projects with anonymous teams and overnight the discord disappears, the website disappears and, you know, the NFT plummets to zero value what why is that like the the creators just decide we don't want to support this project anymore like we made our money and we're done we're closing up shop yep it's called rug pull and like there's no legal obligation when you purchase an nft from them that they have to uphold their side of the equation here like you could just say screw it i've made your my money and i'm out So that's the tough part, right? Because some of these projects, like the good ones, the blue chip for sure, have like a terms of service. Okay. Um, Some of the, you know, rug pulls and anonymous founders have terms of service too. But because it's this decentralized world where everyone is just represented by a wallet, you don't know who that wallet is or where the money's going. You can't prove any of that. And so if you don't know who the team is, it's very easy to disappear and send that money elsewhere. And yeah, you know, from a legal perspective, it's definitely not right. Yeah. But it's extremely hard to kind of fight right now. Sounds like you can get rug burned. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. gosh. <laughs> rug burned. Yeah, that's, uh, that's one we'll keep so, in the in So the obviously, like, checking out the team, uh, checking out the roadmap. It's very, like, startup-like, right? If you're going to, like, invest at a seed stage of a startup, you're probably doing similar due diligence here before throwing your money around. Obviously, like you're, you're micro funding in a way, right? Like unless you're going big and buying a $1.2 million board ape, you're probably talking somewhere between actually that's a good thing to touch on. Like, what are we talking here for most NFTs? A couple hundred, to a couple thousand is sort of the investment uh, threshold. Yeah. And in an ETH standpoint, you're looking at anywhere from 0.05 Ethereum to 
anywhere upwards of 0.5 Ethereum now. We're seeing ones even more expensive. Like the established brands come in and can can drop uh, much higher prices. Yeah, and Ethereum is usually between like three to six thousand, so a couple yeah. hundred to a couple thousand Canadian yeah, dollars. Exactly. That, that's one thing I always wondered. Like, it's something that's always a little scary to me with this whole NFT space is a part of the value of your NFT is determined by the value of ETH in any given moment. So if ETH, let's say, one day crashes to a thousand that would directly impact the value of your nft really poorly so like is that just kind of a risk you have to endure or is there any way like around mitigating that risk yeah there's a really interesting relationship between nfts and ethereum right speaking of nfts on the ethereum blockchain specifically uh generally you know they they kind of work inversely to each other so if if ethereum drops you'll see the prices of nfts go up uh, but you know, at the same time, the Ethereum is worth less, and you you're making your you could you could sell for a higher ETH price. But it's really about just watching the markets. You know, similar to the stock market, you watch the markets, you find the intrinsic value in NFT projects, and that's what you're you're looking for. And so, going back to what you said, Justin, it's like looking when you're buying an NFT, it's like buying almost class A shares into a startup company that's trying to create an operation. So you want to know who the the founders are. You want to look at their roadmap, which is much like their business plan to the future. So, yeah. That's interesting. Um, And that kind of leads me to my next question where you talk about like the founders of an NFT project. Can just any plain person go and start an NFT project? Like who's creating these things realistically? Yeah, so part of the greatness of this space is it's open source. So, you know, I can go to an NFT project and almost certainly I can go find the code of their smart contracts on Etherscan or, or some other similar website, I can copy those contracts and deploy exactly what they've deployed and point the images or the metadata to where my actual content is to a different location. And all of a sudden I've launched an NFT. That's crazy. Um, I know you said smart contracts and they're two big words. Well, not big words, but smart contracts and metadata. Can you maybe start off by telling us what a, what a smart contract is? I know what a contract is, but what's a smart one? Is it just like higher IQ or what are we talking about? <laughs> and that's so, where you'll get this one, Justin. <laughs> maybe uh, not. Yeah. IQ is lower. Takes on a, I'm a dumb IQ. contract. It's going to take me a lot. <laughs> I'm a dumb contract, by the way, uh, to all the listeners. So, so really... What Ethereum is and, and what a blockchain is, is it? it's a computer. It's a computer that's distributed across hundreds of servers and computers around the world to make the blockchain in existence. Those computers can run code. And so a smart contract is a special new coding language invented by the Ethereum creator called Solidity. And what it does is it dictates how things operate on the blockchain. And so these smart contracts will say, okay, you know, there's 10,000 tokens as part of this smart contract. And I know that token one belongs to this wallet. And Justin, let's just say that's your wallet, Mm -hmm. right? That is uh, distributed across the whole blockchain. So the whole blockchain knows that you're that owner and that can never change. So like essentially it's just on an open like public ledger that everyone can see. I have that specific. Okay. Exactly. And that's kind of what blockchain is at a, at a really basic level. So yeah. like distributed accountability and visibility. So everyone knows, they don't know who you are, but they know some account code that says this person with this account code owns this thing and they connect the two. And it's not like anyone can lie about that because there's hundreds, if not hundreds of thousands of people that can validate that in an open kind of way. 
This might be a silly question, but can your wallet ID get like banned or barred in a sense? I don't think it can get banned or barred, but your wallet is is fully controlled by this secret passphrase or secret key that signs the transactions on the wallet's behalf. So, you know, for talking back on a security perspective or, you know, best practices in managing your decentralized wallet, you essentially are your own bank account. And so you need to make sure you protect your secret key because if anyone else can get that secret key, they can control your wallet and what happens with your wallet. Yeah, for anyone wondering, I, I keep my secret key under my uh, my pair of Nike runners in my room. So just don't look there if you're trying to find my wallet ID. Uh, actually, question on that. So like MetaMask, as an example of a wallet, if someone get, gets my password or guesses my password, do they have my account or do they also need my, I think it's like 12 different word phrases, right? Like that's the part that you got to keep most secret because that's like your your version of a two-factor authentication, like your password might get hacked, but without those phrases, theoretically, your wallet's pretty safe. So that thing you should protect with your life. Yeah, so the password of MetaMask only protects your wallet on your computer. Someone can't go try to log into your MetaMask on another computer with your password. They need that secret key, that 12-word phrase you just mentioned to, to be able to import that wallet into their computer. There's also things like hardware wallets where your secret phrase is actually stored offline on a piece of hardware similar to a USB stick that requires physical input in order to actually sign the transaction. So it's an extra layer of added security before any transactions for your wallet can take place. Yeah, no. So yeah. I have personal experience with that one. It's a it's a 24 word recovery phrase. Uh, definitely write that down on multiple pieces of paper in case you lose one. Um, but yeah, hard wallets are pretty interesting. Um, why, you know, I, I know my reasons for why I ended up getting a hard wallet, but could maybe you speak to why someone would want to get a hard wallet to protect and, their NFTs and, or crypto? And just to clarify hard wallets, when you have like the USB aspect of this, right? Like yeah. you're, you have to plug it into a computer, that physical thing. Exactly. Yeah. So you, you'd want a hardware wallet. So when you connect your MetaMask or how you in, or how you work with the Ethereum blockchain, MetaMask is just a tool to help you interact with that Ethereum blockchain. Yeah. And so you will often connect your MetaMask wallet to a website in order to mint a new NFT or to sign into the website, quote unquote, for whatever you might get from that website. Maybe if you're holding a specific, we'll use Board Ape again, if you're holding a Board Ape in your wallet, you all of a sudden get access to all the content that's on that website. Mm. So you often connect your wallet to a website, which you want to be sure you trust the website because if you're just using MetaMask, connecting a wallet is a security risk there in and of itself. Yeah, They can have access directly to your wallet and can actually take things. Having that hardware wallet in between means no matter what, anything that happens with your wallet and transactions and moving money or moving NFTs requires a hardware input. Interesting. Yeah. And that's so, kind of, you know, a lot of people see the benefit of being your your own bank or your own bank account right and mm -hmm. holding that but at the same time it's a lot of responsibility and you know when i think about it i don't know if i want that responsibility to be my own bank or my yeah. own banker and so there's this there's these two kind of thoughts behind it one being you know you see the value of in control of your assets and your your wallet but at the same time it's a lot of responsibility to have on one person and yeah. So yeah. at the end of the day, it is like, it is very secure. It depends how much of a dumbass you are or what you click on or like you have yeah. more accountability to making sure you don't do something dumb 
but it is very secure as long as you're taking the right precautions. The only difference is now the precautions are in your hands. There's no one that's got your back in a way. So you have to be pretty smart about your either hardware wallet or your uh, recovery phrases and make sure that those things are like protected deeply. Even with your hardware wallet, there's there's a pin you have to enter in before you can even yeah. unlock the hardware wallet. So mm-hmm. if you have a hardware wallet, someone would need to get your hardware wallet, get your pin, and then know how to interact with the Ethereum blockchain or have to sign into your MetaMask. So like having that hardware adds a lot of different layers of security, whereas on MetaMask alone, it's just the 12-word phrase. And so you don't have to worry about you know someone trying to hack the Ethereum blockchain and saying, you know, that money that's in your wallet actually should be in another wallet because that whole distributed network says, no, that can't be true unless your secret phrase has signed on that transaction. Yeah. And just some best practices, right, is don't click random links. Don't connect your wallet to anything you don't trust. Always do your due diligence. Find the official links from the official either social media channels or discords. And uh, always deconnect your your wallets. After you connect to a website, you can go into your MetaMask or your wallet and deconnect. So these are just things people can keep in mind while they're some best practices in security. So you guys are saying I might be in trouble because the other day I uh, had an email come through. It said you're eligible to receive two ETH for free. Just connect your your MetaMask wallet. So yeah, uh, I would say don't do that. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Duly noted. So uh, the other thing too is you have to be using a Chrome browser, right? Um, Yeah. So MetaMask is an extension that you can log or download into a Chrome or Chromium based browser. Um, Got it. So you kind of, you can kind of, that's the easiest way and path to be using this on a regular basis because it's pretty tricky from your phone. You can have the wallet on your phone, but starting to engage with a bunch of these things, you sort of need to do it at like a, on a desktop of some type, right? Definitely easier on a desktop, but yeah, there is a MetaMask app and using the browser within that app allows you to interact with the blockchain, but easier on a desktop. Just this conversation in itself really makes me realize, you know, I think we'll see the growth of the crypto space and NFT space um, come with the the usability of, of these things. So like we just talked about uh, our MetaMask wallet, hard wallet, all that stuff. When we think about it, like we have an okay knowledge on it, right? So we feel comfortable talking about these things. But to the to the everyday person who wants to come into this space, like they have a lot to learn and a lot of steps to take in understanding, you know, actually going through a transaction of buying an NFT, all the different exchanges and networks that you need to connect to in order to do that. So would I be crazy in saying that we're just at still at the infancy and when that mass adoption will come is as this process becomes streamlined. Yeah, that's a great question. So there's a big, I guess if I can, I can compare them from my company that I work my, my day job versus what we're doing, me and Tanner with hatchlings. Yeah. Right. So hatchlings is more again on the, on the ground floor with the creators and the, you know, in the wild, wild west of, of NFTs Mm -hmm. where you need a blockchain wallet and you need to, connect in a browser and and then connect to sites and go through this stuff, which a lot of people are not savvy with at the moment, right? But then with my other company, right, when we build enterprise platforms, we build a typical e-commerce journey, right? A typical create your account, right? Uh, log in, uh, put your credit card down and buy NFTs, right? And so what we do with sports entertainment is uh, we, we create things that mimic traditional trading card programs, whether that's hockey cards, Pokemon cards. And so we build these collections 
uh, of NFTs and we sell them in packs, digital packs. And again, it's the, your, your typical e-commerce journey. Anyone native to a computer or buying anything on a on a online can can do it. So there's there's different ways, and they're becoming more easier. There's even uh, you know marketplaces now um, for for creator NFTs like Hatchlings to go and sell in dollars or other currencies and use your credit cards. Interesting. And so do we do we think moving forward that those two we'll call them worlds will stay apart? Right, like that. We'll call it the you said the wild, wild west. Is where there, where there is there always going to be a wild, wild west, and then the other side that you just discussed. It's a good question. I I don't know. You know, you hear a lot of talk about reg- regulations now yeah. and in the future, and where what will happen. We don't know. Um, we don't know yet, but it's a good question maybe for the 2.0 version of this yeah no maybe this is something you know next podcast we'll have those answers but i just always like to ask the thought you know thought-provoking questions so, so maybe this is a good time so so we started now we're starting to drip into talking a little bit about like your own nft yeah um and i think it's gonna be cool to like explore that and then explore like maybe after we do that we'll talk a little bit about how if someone is even interested to get into this wild wild west or the ground stages of some nfts how to do that but maybe just tell us a little bit about your nft project the name what it entails what's it about and then we'll start to dive deeper into that yeah for sure so so me and jordan are co-founders of our nft which is called hatchlings Uh, we're not the only founders there are four other people that that do this with us actually across the globe but what hatchlings is is a ten thousand collection of a pfp type art we have three species profile pictures profile pictures yeah for those old people like me that don't know just Pro- kidding <laughs> profile picture type art and we have three species within that art we have the chickens which is six thousand of the ten thousand dragons three thousand and then we actually haven't revealed what that last species is going to be yet we will reveal it closer to our launch date Ooh. and so what hatchlings is the the nft itself we've built a lot of game theory directly into how the nft works on the blockchain so i mentioned those smart contracts earlier directly in the code of the smart contracts we've done it where you actually purchase an egg and when you purchase an egg it has a one-third chance to to hatch and it hatches into one of those three species if it doesn't hatch though it'll it'll take another attempt at hatching every time it changes wallets so if your egg doesn't hatch you can go to OpenSea and buy a new egg and that egg might hatch directly into your wallet we've also built uh, a token as part of our universe we're calling it yoke And people can generate yoke just by holding a hatched NFT, one of the three species. And they can use that yoke to try and hatch their egg again or pay for a guaranteed hatch, meaning they'll get one of the three species as soon as that transaction completes. The reason we built it like this is it actually adds a whole bunch of game theory into it, right? Like it'll be fun for people to buy the NFT. Their egg might not hatch. They're going to see approximately 3,000 eggs hatch just at the, the initial purchase. And they're going to want a hatch hatchlings. The rare ones are going to be in the mix because you don't actually know which hatchlings you have until the moment it hatches. And then later down the road, there might be, you know, way less eggs available. And those Gen 1 eggs that never hatched could become valuable. Maybe we add utility to what, like, if you hold an egg still, we might give benefit later down the road. So there's so much we can do with this kind of NFT and utility and and what we're calling hatch game. So that's one of the unique parts of the project. Yeah, we're actually thinking of integrating a almost like a, a on our website a ticker board of the next three 
species that will hatch if an egg hatches. And so when super rare ones pop up, we want to see like the community going crazy, trying to buy and sell eggs to get that next rare one that's uh, on the ticker board. Interesting. So to to me, uh, it sounds like you guys didn't, this is, this will be relevant for people who play video games or uh, specifically FIFA. It's almost like when I open a FIFA ultimate team pack and I'm expecting a rare card, maybe a player of the year card and I just get a bronze card, right? Exactly. It's kind of bringing you back to that childhood. You 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 don't know what you're going to get until yeah. you get it and you might get nothing. Yeah. Yes. And and that's actually one of our slogans too because, you know, we love this playfulness of NFT and it gets everyone so hyped and excited and yeah. so our tagline or slogan or whatever you want to call it is a child's universe with grown-up ambitions. So I kind of spoke about that child's universe part, you know, the fun art, the three species, the hatch game. The adult ambitions piece of our project is where we're trying to add the longer term vision, the the strategy to continually add value and utility to our ever growing community of hatchlings holders. And so we're doing this through what we're calling the incubator right now. You know, you incubate an egg, you want the egg to grow and flourish and hatch. And, and so we have a pretty great network through some of our founders and we've started with two incubators right now. And these are just announced before our launch, one being an artist, an experiential artist named Mr. Dripping. And we're going to create his NFT universe and what that looks like, you know, a special drip card or an auction website to be able to buy his art if you're holding the drip card or if you're holding a hatchlings. Yeah. Yeah. So just Mr. Drip is really cool. I want to give a little more background on that. Yeah. Tell us about it. Yeah. He basically has this really unique technique to doing art on a canvas where he never touches the canvas. He holds a, um, a paint spatula and a paint can and he drips paint on the canvas, creating these, you know, what just starts out as lines on a canvas turns into this beautiful uh, picture of something. And so he's done work. He's done uh Drips, we call them, of Tom Cruise, Will Smith, Neymar Jr., a really? uh, bunch of Victoria's Secret models, and and uh, now he's just, he's really blowing up. So those guys actually are a pretty big deal, which is pretty cool that you guys are already partnered with some like yeah. pretty special people. Yeah, well, uh, one keep, of, keep, keep telling us about him. One of our founders, uh, Christian Wilhelmsen, he's a former professional footballer. He played for the Swedish national team. He's played in a World Cup and many Euro Cups, and. Uh, he's he's got a very extensive network across the world. So this is one of his his good friends, and uh, he's very interested into getting into NFTs, right? And he, he doesn't really have the capacity or or the, the know how to do so. And so that's what the incubator is. The incubator is our uh, NFT as a service, right? Our NAS proposition, where we help we build simplified solutions for creators like this that want exposure in the space, they want to live at the frontier. And we work with them in partnership to do that. So with Mr. Drip, we're going to start out just by creating really interesting video NFTs. We're going to NFT the Drip experience of him doing his art and and sell those on his OpenSea page, right? And then we want to kind of encapsulate his world, right? The Mr. Dripping world. What's it like to be part of his world, his universe? What does he have access to? And we may create some program like a, a membership card where you can buy the VIP Drip card get access to, you know, his uh, private auctions of some of his best artwork. And, you know, maybe he's doing giveaways every month because he gets to go to all these amazing events and and whatnot. So at the end of the day, like your species or your egg 
starts to become your ticket to some of these other aspects of hatchlings, which is pretty like it's a little bit extra special. Oh, <laughs> that was good. Goodness. Come on. <laughs> well, it was right. That was a good yoke. No? <laughs> oh, <laughs> All right. so like, but but the point is, there's two things actually that I thought was pretty interesting as I was listening to you. You could have an egg that does or doesn't hatch. And at first, when you started saying that, I'm like, oh, shit, I'm going to get I'm going to get the egg that doesn't hatch. I'm going to be like the loser that just spent a bunch of money on this stupid egg that nobody wants. But the point that you've talked about is actually having the unhatched egg could be interesting or it could become something special later. So, like, you're not getting worse or better if you get an egg that doesn't hatch or you get something that does hatch. You've kind of added this element of like both have their own unique special value in a way. Um, as it goes along and it's your ticket to a bunch of other things. Yeah. And that's an important point about NFTs in general is a lot of it's driven by this rarity, like what traits of an NFT are less often, you know, shown in, in the whole collection. And those ones typically go for the higher value. So yeah, there's going to be like 6,000 eggs right off the bat, but as the eggs continue to hatch, there's going to be way less. And all of a sudden owning that rare egg that, you know, there's only, 1000 left in existence people are going to start to want that and so like that's where all the game theory unless you buy it and then it hatches and you're like, ah, shit. yeah <laughs> so you never know and but and as soon as you have a hatched egg right just by holding your hatchlings the hatched egg you start to your your smart contract that you've purchased the nft starts to generate our token yoke right and generally uh, the common species will generate two yolk per day, the rare species five per day, the legendary species 10 per day. And so you will accumulate yolk on your smart contract. And over time, you can use that yolk, you connect to our website, and you can either guarantee hatch your egg or reroll the hatch function to, to keep so you can keep your egg and, and try and hatch it again. That's actually really cool. Yeah. I really like that. No, but, a, no egg on your face at this project. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, coming, coming back to your point there on hatchlings becoming this ever-growing ticket of the universe, that's kind of what we're trying to do where this is, you know, if, if you want access to the entire hatchlings universe and all the utility that comes along with it through all the incubators, you buy hatchlings. If you're just interested in Mr. Drip and you don't care about the rest, you know, you buy a Mr. Drip card, for example. Yeah, no, it's definitely a really interesting play that you guys have taken uh, on an NFT project is that incubator to help people either grow their their brand themselves like Mr. Drip for example or any potential company that is trying to promote themselves uh I definitely haven't heard about it in the NFT space thus far am I wrong in saying that we haven't really seen it too much yeah. um we've started to hear it pop up here and there uh another good thing to mention about our roadmap is the whole point of this incubator is that we do want to bring the community into it so how do we make this venture community firm right and you know we've kind of thought about it we might call it hatchlings venture firm and that might be announced shortly but it's how do we get our users finding incubators and participate uh, potentially even participating in the actual incubation of them and helping and maybe getting paid so these are kind of all the things that are in our roadmap or project map down down the path but we really want to bring the community into this venture universe so, so you talked about like the the background and due diligence so like actually like let's pause for a quick second and maybe just talk through that even for hatchlings like we obviously know the two of you but who are who are the founders and why does it kind of matter in this scenario and then i know you started going down the path of the the project roadmap if you would but like maybe just start from like day zero to where you plan to go the phasing of it just so people kind of understand the hatchlings a little bit better 
Tanner, maybe you should tell him about how we came up with Hatch Games and our yeah, like, let, quality yeah, of our go, first Yeah, go day. way back. This is like your founder story. So like, let, let's dial it back. This is, I, I want to learn. All right. So so founder story. There's It started with, we'll say three of us, me, Jordan, and Jared. Jared and myself were in Punta Cana. And all I could think about, this was in October. So right when I was getting into the NFT space, I spent my entire Punta Cana trip on a lawn chair on my phone watching my nfts you know go up and down in, in a very vicious fluctuating with, cycle with or without a drink with a drink oh this is how the best idea started exactly so <laughs> you know it was it was one day on the trip we were uh, on like a golf cart getting taken back to our our room and jared had this idea of you know how do we why don't we start with an egg and you know we'll involve the community by getting them to transfer the eggs and like that's how that functionality of hatching can come in and and you know that's where we started game theory and and, you know, we, we got into our pool at the ho- hotel room and right away called Jordan and we were like, Jordan, we have a great idea. This is it. You know, we went through exactly what Hatch Game would be or what the initial idea of Hatch Game would be. And we just kind of sat there for like five minutes being like, are we going to do this? Like, are we going to see this to fruition? Or like, we, we need to build a team. Like, we can't just do it ourselves. You know, I can maybe learn Solidity and, and code some smart contracts, but the website development, we need an artist. So that's where Jordan kind of came in and started bringing some of his network to the table. Jordan, yeah. aka the muscle. Yeah, the muscle. I, I was ready and ripe. And when they told me this idea, I was pumped to just like, we got to do this for sure. So, so, so actually, quick pause. So we've got Tanner, we've got Jordan. Jared is just like a friend of yours that you guys know. And, and he was the what, like a third and there's four founders. So Jared was the other one. And that's six really, founders. Six. Yeah. So he'll so, tell how so the, the three other three of, came So the in. three of you is like the initial, like the idea, like the way the egg started. Actually, remind Spark. me after, after show you all upstairs in my office, I've got this like inspirational picture from like a book and it's, it's literally an egg. It's going to be so ironic when I show you. But the quote is, one day I had an idea. Mm-hmm. And it actually talks about the evolution and growth <laughs> of that idea that became something great and beautiful, which is a I'm not going to ruin the story, but it became basically a bird that flew away. And it's like so ironic that we're actually talking about this now. I didn't even, think, it, I didn't even yeah. think about it. But so the idea started on a lawn chair with your NFTs dripping up and down. You're kind of like, yo, I've got an excellent idea that oh, I want to run by you guys. Gosh. You guys ripped around it. in a oh. golf cart. We're like, can we actually make this a thing? Basically, I'm pause, continue. Let's, let's hear how it keeps going. So, so then Jordan came in and he goes, okay, I, I, I've got a network. Let me reach out to some artists and developers that I know. So he did. We got two more people on board. So Tristan is our website developer and he's doing all the website integration directly with the Ethereum network and directly with our smart contracts. So people can go to our website and buy the initial purchase. We're adding other functionality like Jordan mentioned, where you can see like, what are the next species that are going to hatch? And, and, you know, that's all Tristan. Then he came with Aris. Aris is our artist, an incredible 3D artist. Um, yeah, Aris, Aris. And so myself, Aris and Christian Wilhelms, we worked together in Dubai uh, when we were getting into esports. And Aris was our esports manager. Christian Wilhelmsen, the former footballer, he was soccer player. He was our president. And uh, Aris, is, he was an incredible designer, but he was the esports manager, manage, manager which at the time we were building what was called the world's best female Counter-Strike team. And so we contracted the best female Counter-Strike players from across the world, and we were going to bring them to Dubai to play. Uh, long story short, a lot of drama and things happened, and it didn't work out the way we wanted, but 
It was really cool experience. Aris went back to Sweden. He's, he became a creative lead for a digital agency, and he specializes in animation. And uh, Christian, Christian is just most humble, former professional football player I've ever met, and I've I've worked with a lot. And uh, he, him, and I, we stayed close, and he was just also ready and ripe to get into the space. And I introduced Christian's them. the type of person that you know wakes up one day. We all wake up and we have a message that says, "Hey, should we get Mahambi on board?" And I don't know if you remember Mahambi, but do you remember that song "Bumpy Ride"? I want to bing bang boom with your body. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and we're like, Mahambi's gonna come on board and start preaching hatchlings and it, you know exciting things like that. But he has this whole network of people that start to come on. He's just the thought starter in the equation here. Just random. Well, it things. sounds like a good connection. So you got like you've got founders of the hatchlings that are like built in this space, understand tech, understand art, understand connections. So you've got like networks, you've got technology, you've got business acumen. So you've actually got like a really strong team. So there's, there's Jordan, Tanner, Jared, Tristan, Christian, that's five. And Aris. Aris, Aris as well. Aris is actually also a former professional gamer. He was, he was a professional counter-strike 1.6 player. Yeah. Yeah. Counter-Strike's pretty big. Yeah. So that's impressive. Yeah, he's incredible. He's he's th- there's nobody that works harder than this guy. He's, he's clearly good with a mouse. Yeah, he's amazing with a mouse. You should see his flow. So you guys have got a wicked team. Now talk us through the roadmap. So and, and actually just to dial this back. This hasn't launched yet. It's going to launch soon. Uh tell us the roadmap and then if if you're allowed to share it. I don't know if you are. When's this launching? Because then after that, we can talk a little bit about how to even get involved. But I, I, tell us the roadmap first. Yeah. So a lot of the roadmap, or at least the future roadmap, revolves around this incubator and you know what the venture will look like. But the phase one of the roadmap is really launch. So you know, as mentioned, is launching soon. We're trying our best to launch in mid to late February, which is only a few weeks away from this recording date. And it's you know sell the hatchlings, launch the hatchlings, have hatch game go on. Yoke will be launched right next side hatchlings on day one. Uh, announce our incubators, like our first initial incubators that we're working with. And then phase two starts to get into more of the incubator. So how do we bring the community into this hatchlings venture firm? And how do we get them bringing ideas to the table and participating right alongside us? Launching Mr. Drip, launching another NFT that we're about to announce soon uh, in a, as our second incubator project even launching future projects that we're actually in the works on right now. And just to give you an idea, you know, without sharing too much, but hopefully we can announce this soon. We're hoping that Hatchlings is going to go somewhere above the clouds in a really cool, impactful headlining way. So, you know, (laughs) hopefully we can announce that, you know, sometime in the next couple of weeks. And then if I think to phase three, you know, we have plans to have hatchlings lay eggs and what can future generations look like. We do want to gamify it and, you know, bring on a world-class partner. And we have some connections in this space as well that people would be familiar with. And yeah, that's kind of our, our roadmap as it stands today. Yeah. Roadmaps are funny things in the NFT space because you see a lot of roadmaps that are really abstract, like, hey, we're launching our NFT, then we're going to buy digital land and we're going to build a play to earn game in the, and we're going to go to the metaverse and we're going to do all these amazing things and we're just kind of we're what we've built now is our kind of phase one our tangible roadmap what can we promise you guys that we're going to do if you buy into the project right and that's one we've got an amazing innovative hatch game 
that people are going to be part of. And it's, it's a first in the space that we've seen. And our incubator, we, we you know, commit to continuously building the value, utility, and a collective set of benefits for our holders, right? Become a hatchlings, and you can see this is where, this is the benefits, the utility, and the functionality that you're going to get from being part of the community. Uh, and then, obviously, there's phase two, and this is where it gets exciting, right? It's, it's not all set in stone, but we have, again, as Tanner said, we've got a lot of good connections in the gaming industry and the in the space and and we we plan to do some big things you know after the success that's uh it's pretty amazing um obviously you just did my work for me did my research uh so i definitely think i'll be there for the initial mint um would it be fair to ask the question of like how i would even go about getting but and before we go into yeah. that though i just want to like super simplify this because we've talked about some concepts but at the end of the day in its simplest form being a part of the Hatchlings project actually, in a way, is making you an investor in a bunch of future startups. You're part of an incubator. So you're like, you're actually, getting, this is like micro VC in a way. So if you actually are passionate about like artists and startups and helping fuel that and benefit from their growth, Hatchlings is the incub- is like the future incubator. That isn't like a physical space where you go with your startup. This is like funding and growth for artists and for businesses in a way. So it's a really, really cool concept, right? Am I getting that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's exactly what it is. And that's kind of how the idea came to be too. It was, I was just kind of thinking, how can people raise capital without necessarily giving equity away or as much equity as they would going through a venture firm and getting that equity from a community? Instead mm-hmm. of, you know, an official firm and, you know, in this decentralized, everyone's their own VC, but trying to build the community off that. So that's exactly right. How you summarize. Yeah. All right. The, yeah. I'll, I'll go ahead, yeah the, just want to say the stigma we're kind of trying to build around our brand, right? The holders are part of the, the firm, the venture firm. And whereas, you know, in board eight, that stigma is kind of like we're part of a high society exclusive club class, which yeah. ours is similar, but we have this, this incubator project. And so, yeah, it's really cool to see how we can attract holders that have an interest of you know being part of a a venture firm of 10,000 or 5,000 10,000 holders or whatever it turns out to be yeah what's nice too is it seems like you, you'll have that first you know first shot at being one of those early investors into the incubator for whatever respective partners that you bring on to that so I think that's what's really interesting. And I think that's just placing a heavier importance on getting into the Hatchlings, original Hatchlings project. Yeah. So I, like Justin said, like super interesting. So I, I'm definitely interested. Uh, I'm sure at this point, people are listening. There's some definitely, there's some people that are going to be interested in joining in and wanting a Hatchlings. Um, when's it launching? And then let's talk through like how to, can you share when it's launching? Is that allowed? Yeah. So mid to late Feb, okay. you know, a few weeks out. Um, if, if we start to go into the how, uh, we do have some resources on our website, an FAQ that goes into even the basic, what is an NFT, you know, how to buy it. We, we made a YouTube video to how to set up your MetaMask wallet, but the, the biggest part is getting your fiat currency or your Canadian dollar, us dollar, whatever currency that you use into Ethereum. Yeah. And you typically need to work through a centralized crypto exchange. So the ones like Coinbase, Crypto.com, Kraken, wherever, you know, the top one is for yourself and connecting your bank to transfer into crypto. From there, you can then transfer it into the decentralized wallet, which we've talked about MetaMask being the top one. 
And then MetaMask is how you would interact and purchase and trade and use OpenSea, as mentioned before, the marketplaces. So it's a little bit of a process, but we do try and explain it. So I'd say- But you've got some links that we can go share in the description and in the show notes that people can be able to follow along. There. For sure. Yeah. And, and going back to Discord, right? Being the you know the place you want to go to research, do your own research, get to know the community and stuff. We're, we're doing something a little bit different where we've, we've got a, a private Discord. We don't- really scale the numbers of our our discord community because one we want to we want to build a certain culture in there we want to you know invest the people we want to give them the ability to talk with each other instead of you go into some of these discords they've got 100 200 300,000 people just spamming the chats and it's no yeah. fun for anybody so we're trying to we're really trying to build that culture and if you guys want we can give you guys and the listeners podcast just a custom discord link so anyone coming in to listen that'd be sick they can yeah. they can click the link and join our discord uh, whenever they want that that's super special i appreciate that yeah so so um definitely if people are interested they should get on the discord through the private link that we'll put in the show notes um they should also follow the faqs and a couple other things we're going to link to make sure that they've got their fiat or currency ready to go uh we won't talk price we'll let you guys kind of like seed that out so if you are interested you have to get on the discord you have to follow the team on twitter check out their website make sure you actually do equal due diligence on the project like we talked about it today that's an important piece um but then get ready to go for late feb what else what else should we know what else should Ooh. people be doing I have one thing here because I, I know that uh, it's a question that's come up a few times with people I've been talking in the NFT space. Um, can you break down what the term being whitelisted for an NFT project means? Because I know, you know, in some capacity in your discord, you have like the OG hatchlings. Uh, what is the the term that you're using for people who are whitelisted? For oh, yeah, like OG. White, yeah, what is all that? Yeah, I can't just. So yeah, I guess that's a point. Like I can't just because I want one, I can't just buy one. There's actually some yeah. stuff that I go, go explain. Yeah, that for so us. A, a lot of NFT projects, including ours, starts with a whitelist or an allow list, which just essentially means your wallet address has been pre-approved to participate in the pre-sale. We'll call it. Yeah, and so we actually code like we implement that directly into the smart contract to say these thousand two thousand three thousand wallets can go purchase ahead of everyone else mm -hmm. and so that's what it means like there's such high demand for nfts and good nft projects that we can fill up this whitelist with potential buyers and guarantee you know more people purchasing joining the community before going to a public sale uh, it also helps us recognize our early followers which is why OG Hatchlings is there. Like those are our first 500 followers in our Discord, along with a bunch of Twitter and, you know, giveaways and things like that. And then we have our early birds, which is, you know, our next 3,000 because we early want to recognize. <laughs> we want to recognize all the people that have been supporting us, you know, most of the way. Yeah, whitelist or allow list is really a community-driven initiative because, you know, without going too technical, when projects are launched for the first time on the blockchain, right, the mint, um, you got to pay transaction fees and the more volume, the more things happening on the blockchain tend to increase those transaction fees, which call what we what we call a gas war. Yeah, um, it's, it's essentially, you know, paying more money to get to the front of the line to buy an NFT before other people. So a whitelist or an allow list is really a tool for us to use to to give back to our community that put in the effort, put in the time to get to know our project, understand it and want to be involved. So we put down 
all the wallets that are whitelisted in our smart contract. And then they get like 24 hours to monitor the gas prices, the transaction fees on the blockchain and buy at a reasonable price when they see fit within those 24 hours. So if you're on the whitelist, A, not everyone in the Discord will be on the whitelist. So you have to join the Discord. You're going to get an opportunity to, to purchase the hatchlings on Mint rather than going and buying on a secondary market or Kijiji, OpenSea. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you're in the whitelist, does that mean you for sure will get a hatchlings if you're whitelisted in this first project? Or it still depends if you act, A, you probably need to actually make sure you have the money and you have to do that. But if you're in the whitelist, your shot's pretty good then, I guess. But not everyone's going to be whitelisted. Yeah, if you if you're on whitelist, you have a hundred percent opportunity to buy if you want. Yeah. Okay. That's interesting. And then whatever doesn't sell beyond that, we would go to a public sale and let the gas wars begin. Yeah. <laughs> Convenient. Yeah. Gas prices are going up. <laughs> yeah. Can Can you elaborate on that a little bit? Like, what will cause? Is it Is it essentially no different than like your electrical bill? Like, if you're using your laundry machine at, at peak hours, like it's going to cost more. Is it same idea with gas prices for ETH? Same idea. Uh, Ethereum essentially can do fifteen to twenty transactions per seconds, which really isn't a lot. When you think and about so, the- when ten thousand people are trying to come in and buy an NFT all at once those gas prices go up. Yeah. Okay. That makes, that makes sense. Um, I guess the, then the next thing that, uh, you know, I'm curious for our listeners as well is like, where can everyone kind of learn more about this project? Where can they find some more information? Uh, where are you guys distributing information? Obviously on social, like where are those? Yeah. All of our social channels are the same hatchlings with a Z NFT hatchlings, NFT, yeah. Uh, Instagram and Twitter. Twitter's our main one. If you want like the insight, uh, if you want to try and win, you know, whitelist spots or OG roles in the Discord, go to the Twitter, follow us on Twitter. Um, and then we periodically uh, release uh, open Discord links on the Instagram stories or the Twitter posts for or through our influencers um, for people who are not in that are actively trying to get in. So there will be opportunities. Nice. The, the domain also covers hatchlingsnft.com. Nice that you're able to get that. Yeah, yeah perfect. Got, got it all. <laughs> nice. We'll, we'll we'll definitely make sure that those things are linked as well, just in case someone is bad at spelling. Um, but that, <laughs> like me, I think that was super handy. So, I mean, we're we're coming to to probably the tail end here. Is there anything either about the world of NFTs or about hatchlings that you feel like we've missed, or anything you want to seed, um, anything you want to tease out? Uh, good question. We've definitely talked about a lot. Yeah. Um, yeah. Hatchlings is for me, I've, I've been on the ground floor in this space for a while now, and I truly believe we're doing something unique. Um, we've got a really, really good team. I've, I've been on, you know, you really know when you're on a winning team, right? And Tanner, Jared, Tristan, Christian, Aris, and, and even our moderator team are, have been phenomenal. We've got, you know, you can see the stars aligning. We're, we're just happy to be diving into the space at, at this level and working with amazing people and we've got a really good culture currently building in the discord uh we're getting really excited to launch we might have a uh, what we call a mint party we're going to live stream the the mint and just hopefully watch those numbers go from zero to with ten thousand mo- with mojitos with mojitos playing mahambi bumpy ride <laughs> sounds like sounds like quite the thing actually you know what i uh, i wanted to bring up and maybe this is too early i know it's sort of part of your phase too if people are artists or startups that think they have an interesting um, business, I guess, that 
they want to get incubated. Do you want those people to start reaching out? Like, is there somewhere where they should go? Yeah, they can either join our Discord and we can open support tickets and things like that and just reach out directly to us to propose ideas. We also have info at hatchingsnft.com and people can always reach out with that type of idea. But yeah, we'd love to hear what I what projects, startups, yeah. artists, creators are out there that want to get into the NFT space and we're happy to help and plan that. Got it. So that's open now. Like if people actually think, "Hey, I've got a business idea, I've got a creative art project, that maybe I want to be considered for when you start incubating. Um, they can already reach out right now, info at hatchlingsnft.com um, or join the Discord and talk about there. Anything else that you want to add to that, mm -hmm. Jordan? Yeah, no, and that's that's why we're building the community, right? We want the community to take part in, in identifying these unique opportunities. So uh, yeah, join, doing the same things, joining the Discord, joining the Twitter following, reach out, feel free. We're always open, you know, we're very entrepreneurial. And we, we like to just talk to people who are interested. We brainstorm and we, we scope it out. I think one last important thing to add to for all of this is, is an important acronym. And Mike, I think I heard you say it earlier in the chat here, wag me. It means we're all going to make it. So wag me. Join wag Hatchlings me. and wag me. Wag me. Wag me. I love you guys. Well, well, thanks for coming in today, guys. I mean, like, I feel like I've learned a ton. I, I probably still have so many questions. Like the NFT world, we're not going to cover it in like, I don't know, we've been talking for like an hour. We're not going to cover all of it, but you gave a really good background on NFTs, what they are. You helped actually build a lot more confidence for what I should be looking for and what NFT projects I do or don't want to participate in. Um, it seems like something that's too big to not pay attention to or not get involved in in some way. Just be smart about how you get involved. And obviously, like, <laughs> this is not financial advice. So be smart about where and how much money you're spending on these mm -hmm. things. But it's something that you shouldn't be ignoring. It's not a, it's not a fad. That's pretty clear to me now. What might be a fad is some projects, um, but if you do your due diligence, this is super interesting and really where the future is going. So yeah. um, th thank you both for joining. Justin, I don't know if you want to kind of close this out. Yeah, no, like uh, I really appreciate you guys taking us through your project, the ins and outs of it, everything you need to know, as Jordan said, doing your research. I think it's safe to say someone listening to this podcast episode in particular we did a lot of that research for them. Mm -hmm. So um, I think you guys have proved a pretty good case as to why the Hatchlings NFT project is something that anyone should look into. Um, and obviously just really breaking down some of the ins and outs of NFTs as a whole. Like it is a scary space when you initially get into it. There's a lot to know. Uh, we obviously just covered the very general overview and questions that someone may have if they're starting out. But I think from this episode, someone can definitely gain important pieces of that puzzle. Um, you know, whoever's listening to this podcast, definitely still continue to do your own research uh, and dig deeper on some of the initial thoughts that we had in this podcast. Um, but nonetheless, like, thank you so much, Jordan, Tanner. Like, it was a pleasure having you on. This being our first podcast, you know, we're going to continue to learn, grow and make this better for our listeners. Um, but just want to say like my absolute gratitude for, for you both being willing to come on and, you know, give us some early sight lines into, you know, what you have going on with your project. So really appreciate it. Um, Thanks for having us. Yeah. Appreciate always a it. pleasure. Hopefully the coffee was, was okay. I've got um, the jitters over here. Yeah. I think I, I can see us all jittering a little bit. We've had like it's an exciting topic. Exciting yeah. Topic. Well, for everyone in perspective, we've probably polished two cups of Joe each. So, uh, usually gets a human pretty jittery, but. Nonetheless, um, thank you, thank you, thank you. 
Uh, and hopefully our listeners lo- like this podcast and really take something from it. So yeah, and we'll be doing a lot more episodes. Make sure to tune in. Um, we'll be making sure that anything we've talked about today, any links are going to be in the show notes and description so you can check them out yourself and make sure to tune in, listen to the future broadcasts we're going to be pumping out in the next couple of weeks and months ahead. Yeah. Thanks again. Thanks awesome. guys. Thanks for having Thanks. us. Take care. You've been listening to the Flywheel Podcast. To the Flywheel Podcast. Hosted by Mike and Justin. Tune in for regular episodes and show notes at theflywheel.ca. 